Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us in your Son. We thank you for the peace that you provide us through your Son. God, I pray as we take time to celebrate this Christmas season that we wouldn't get too busy, that we wouldn't become overwhelmed with the traditions and trappings, but we would remember your hope and your peace, your joy and your love that only you can provide. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So last week as we began our Advent sermon series, we took a look at hope incarnate. And Bob showed us from the word that in his coming, in Jesus' coming, our hope is that the Son of God became the Son of Men, that we might become the sons of God. John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the beauty here is that he didn't just come to this earth and live among us. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So he didn't just come to live among us, but he came to live perfectly, die sacrificially to bring the hope and peace that we in this world so desperately need and long for. Today we will look at peace incarnate and what peace really means for us through Christ. I want to take a moment and stop and pause. I want you to think of a definition of peace in your head. If you're taking notes, maybe you jot it down so you'll remember it later. 
Uh, all right, so whatever your definition of peace that you thought of in your head or you jotted down, I want you to save it, and we're going to come back to it a little bit later. I would like to read to you some headlines. I looked at several newspaper articles, news feeds throughout the week, and these were headline articles from papers yesterday. Pensacola shooting suspect identified as Saudi training at air base. PG&E agrees to pay $13.5 billion in settlement with victims of California wildfires. Supreme Court derails plans to resume federal executions. Iran frees Chinese-American scholar in exchange for scientists. Flu season has come early this year. Trump travels to Florida as impeachment inquiry intensifies. Measle outbreak in Samoa kills at least 63 people, mostly young children. Country singer was driving drunk and speeding in fatal crash. Dozens of hungry polar bears causing problems for a Russian village. Indian police kill four suspects in custody in gruesome rape murder case. Gambian town mourns migrant deaths at sea off the coast of Mauritania. Peloton ad cost the company and shareholders $1.6 billion. These were just the headlines from yesterday. We live in a world where peace seems abstract and unattainable. Why is peace so important to us? Why do we strive and long for peace? Why does peace seem so unattainable at times? See, the great and glorious news is that peace did come in the form of a baby, the Prince of Peace. Let's look at our passage for this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 11 through verse 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by establishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, we see here in this passage, in this Advent season, that in his coming, that Christ not only brings hope, but in his coming we are able to have peace with God and peace with each other through the reconciliation achieved by the sacrificial death and atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. See, Jesus provided vertical peace with God, but he didn't just provide vertical peace with God, he provided horizontal peace for each of us with each other. Jesus didn't bring peace or give peace. He is our peace. He is the peace that we need. So, what was your definition of peace? Go back to that. Think about it. Maybe look at it at your paper. Some of you maybe followed along these lines. Tranquility, calm, quiet. You usually hear peace and quiet. Rest, solitude. Or maybe if you're a little bit more unsanctified, in the famous line from Seinfeld, Serenity now! Serenity now! Or maybe your mind went in a completely different direction and you thought of law and order, harmony, friendship, goodwill, freedom from the presence of war. See, you see, God took the initiative to bring us peace. This isn't some kumbaya rest and relaxation that many people think about when they think of peace. We were at war with the sovereign God. Let that sink in. We were at war with the sovereign God. We stood in opposition to God, shaking our fist at the king and creator. One of the most striking conversations that I can ever remember being a part of, I remember a person who was upset with life and circumstances, who was struggling to find peace, say, I just want to give God the middle finger and walk away. I still remember being completely shocked and thinking, how could you say that? Yet as I thought about the passage today more and more in Ephesians, without Christ, we're all there standing with our middle finger in the air saying, It's my life. I want to be king, and I don't want you to be a part of it. And so sin rages within us, and there is no peace. The only terms that we're given for peace are death. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christ came to bring cosmic peace and crush sin. Matthew Henry writes, God's goodwill in sending the Messiah introduced peace in this lower world. He slew the enmity that sin had raised between God and man and settled a peaceable correspondence. We now can commune with God, not as enemies, not as even just acquaintances, but as family. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile unto himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, 
making peace by the blood of his cross. See, in his coming, we are able to have peace with God through the reconciliation achieved by the sacrificial death and atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. See, first and most importantly, we in the world need peace with God. Peace with each other, peace outside ourselves, the lack of peace that sickness and sin brings are only abated by peace with God. We are incapable of attaining this peace on our own. However, the Prince of Peace has already provided a way, so there's hope. So we return to our passage to help us understand what this peace with God provides. The passage clearly provides five statements showing us who we are, were without Christ, the Prince of Peace, who we are in Christ through his peace and reconciliation. So who we were without Christ, we were separated, we were alienated, we were strangers, we were hopeless, we were godless. If you look back at the passage, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the the flesh by hands. Remember. See, twice he tells us to remember or be reminded of our past. Who we were without Christ. Remember that you were at one time. Now we're going to see why without Christ the world has no peace. Remember that you were at that time separated. We were separated. We were isolated. We were detached. We were divided. Disconnected. And maybe to use a more hot button word, we were segregated from God. In Christ. Separated from Christ. Alienated. We were estranged, divided, cut off, disunited, made hostile to, divorced. We're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers. We were foreigners, outsiders, someone who is uncustomed to and unfamiliar with. We, we were strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope. We were hopeless, despairing, dejected, desponded, demoralized, irreparable, irreversible, impossible, futile, incurable, fatal. We had no hope. And without God, why were they hopeless? Why are we hopeless? They were godless. Oh, they would have said they had many gods. They would have considered themselves in this passage to be elite. They would have considered themselves to be front runners in their thinking, just as we have many gods in our culture, which we consider our own spirituality, our own needs, our gods. But without the one true God, the creator and king, we and they are godless. And therefore, we are hopeless and peaceless. They were without God in, this, in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, 
but now in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful and magnificent phrase in reality. Just stop and think about your identity apart from Christ. You were separated, alienated, stranger, hopeless, godless. But now in Christ Jesus, the blessed Messiah, the Prince of Peace, you who once have been far off have been brought near. Praise God. Like we who were without have been brought near. Literally brought near. We have an introducer to the king. We no longer stand at war with the king, the sovereign God. We no longer have to come head bowed and tail tucked. But we have an introducer to the king, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Brought near by the blood of Christ. An interesting footnote to this, if you think back to Luke chapter 2, um, the angels came to, that I read, the angels came to the shepherds that were out with their flocks. Um, history suggests, and many people are of the opinion, that part of the Mishnah, the, the rules above the actual law, were that they didn't want sheep too near the city, and so they would put them outside the city. And then um, this time of the night, these sheep would have actually probably been being raised for the Passover to come. And so these sheep outside of the city that these shepherds are watching more than likely were sheep being raised to be slaughtered on the Day of Atonement for Passover. And Christ comes... The angel comes to announce Christ atoning an ultimate sacrifice to a group of shepherds raising sheep that were to provide atonement for the people. Um, We were brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall. Of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. See, this dividing wall of hostility was a real thing. The temple was set out and it was segregated in different sections. So people who were considered more elite, more holy, could go a little bit farther and a little bit farther. But on the very outside of the the temple wall, there was a, a court of the Gentiles. And in that court of the Gentiles on the wall, there was a plaque or a sign that basically said that even though you believe in the Messiah, in the coming, and you believe in the one true God, because you're not a Jew, you're not allowed to go any farther. We're going to divide you, separate you. And there was a sign on the wall that literally said that if you go any farther, you're bringing on your own death. It was kind of like a, you go any farther, we're going to kill you and it's your fault. And so Christ literally, by his blood, broke down the wall. He tore the, he tore the curtain in two. Spiritually speaking, and we can take this illustration, he tore down anything that opposes the message of the gospel. So anything that we put instead of the gospel that makes in someone come to Christ, he tore that down and abolished it and said that we should have no part of it. 
he, because he is our peace. That he might create in himself one new man. What is this new man? It's us. It's the church. We begin to see our identity in Christ through the gospel. He created in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, that's us, and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, who we were is not who we are in Christ that brings us peace. We were separated, but now we're brought near. We have a closeness to God through Jesus Christ. We were alienated. We were strangers and divided in that. But now we belong. We were strangers. We were without the customs. And we were unfamiliar to the covenants of promise. But now Christ has made us family. We were hopeless, but now we have the hope of Jesus Christ. We were godless, but now we have but now God is our Father. See, the gospel changes our identity, giving us hope and peace that we can live in this world in light of the gospel. See, in his coming, we are able to have peace with with each other through the reconciliation achieved by the sacrificial death and atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Not only do we get the saving and most wonderful benefit of having that vertical peace with God, God then allows us as the church to have peace with each other, therefore sending his message to the world around us. We are the church, the one new man united in Jesus Christ. Our identity is in the family of Jesus Christ, our peace. This church should be the prime example of peace to the world as we become more and more like him and take his message, the gospel of peace, to the world around us. 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 21 For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we were once regarded once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. 
Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God reconciled us and gave us the message of reconciliation. He has made us ambassadors of his hope and his peace. He came and preached peace, and then now he calls us to preach that same hope and peace to the world around us. As the church is united in one new man, in Jesus Christ, the church is united, I think we see, to do two things. It's united to grow, and it's united to go. Taking that peace. So as we're united to grow, I think we need to ask ourselves a couple questions. One, are you growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your life an example of a continual pressing on of growing in who Christ is? Are you growing in the gospel? Are you trusting what Christ did for you to bring hope and peace? Are you growing in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ? See, Jesus doesn't call us to grow by ourselves, but calls us to grow as a community of believers to present hope and peace to the world around us. And are you becoming more like him day by day? The church is also united in Jesus Christ to go. This message of peace should drive us to be missional. We should be almost aggressively evangelistic, not in your face, not in someone's face, not like a salesman. But what Christ has done for us should give us an urgency to be evangelistic if we truly believe the gospel. Think about, back to what we talked about, about who we were. We were separated, alienated, strangers, hopeless, godless. But now in Christ Jesus, we're not those things anymore. So if we're not those things anymore, and we have the benefit of being family and close to God... And God took us the initiative to bring us peace. He tore down the wall. He made us family. How can we be silent with that message? As we go and we see family members, co-workers, as we celebrate Christmas and the holiday season. Take the message that we are not hopeless, we are not peaceless, but we have the answer to that message. The church should be the preeminent example of reconciliation and peace to a warring and peaceless and dying world. 
So we need to ask ourselves, your neighborhood, your workplace, maybe even your home, who do we know that is separated, alienated, stranger, hopeless, godless? Are we praying for them? Are we talking to them? Are you living and sharing the gospel? Are you preaching the peace that Jesus came and preached to us? Are you bringing peace to your community? Is the gospel the only thing in your life that brings offense in your community? Or are there things in your life that bring offense that don't allow you to preach the gospel message to your neighbor, family, co-worker? See, brothers and sisters, in His coming, we are able to have peace with God and peace with each other only through the reconciliation achieved by the sacrificial death and atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And that's the beauty of the gospel. I understand God's holiness. I understand my sin. And I understand the gap. And the only gap is the cross of Jesus Christ and the bloodshed. So are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with the church? Are you taking his message of peace to the world around you? Matthew 28, 18-20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, we're promised He didn't just come, but He's coming again. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace. At all times and in every way, the Lord be with you all. Oh, bring everlasting peace that quiets our restless and warring hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray.